Woo, John, John, my brother, there's so, so much going on right now um, with me and you, but you are literally opening movies like back to back to back to back. And I think some really awesome ones too. Oh my God, Didi. Yeah, girl. But you are too now. Don't let's not don't put it all on me. You're opening some pretty awesome ones yourself. But it's been so crazy. I know we both have been trying to just stay sane and level-headed through it all. Um, but I am excited about, you know, connecting audiences to these movies and I've been working on some really great beats for these movies. So it's it's all worked it at the end. It is. It is. It really, really is. And also I know that I always say this, you're like the talent and filmmaker whisperer um everyone (laughs) (laughs) everyone that you meet and deal with like you really develop a sincere and like wonderful relationship with them and i think that's a lot to do with the fact that you just are such a lover of movies and not just any old movies Black movies. Yeah, black movies. <laughs> well, I do. Well, I do love. I I love, I movies, love movies overall, but I really love black movies. So, and that's and that's where I I, I light up and um and that's my job is a lot of that. So, you know, as as crazy and busy as it is, it's it's still fulfilling um, because I get to work. I get to bring these kind of films and 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 representation to the forefront, which I love. Same. We're, like we're working on. What's funny to me is. We're working on movies that have a lot of like original IP, I think more for millennials and Gen Z. And it's so funny me getting to learn more about like the history of, say, a movie like Transformers, D&D, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I'm like, I was a grown person when all of these reboots actually came. <laughs> it's been like it's a really wonderful opportunity for me to just learn more about like maybe younger pop culture. Um, so that's 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 really fun. <laughs> and that's and again, it, it keeps you it keeps you on your toes, Didi Brown. You know what I mean? So it's like you you have nieces and nephews and, and things like that that are going to be, you know, watching these films. So it's like, you know, you can talk to them and have like, you know, what's going on in the world and what's who's cool and what's cool and like all those kind of things too. So I think it just keeps you as a better marketer. Well, let me just tell you, it's not just keeping me on my toes, but they are unofficial like sample groups and research. Right, groups. exactly. I'm, I'm literally like, hey, do you you know who who are you listening to? What are you listening to? What are you reading? What's popping? What's not popping? And usually, what they're saying is that's not popping <laughs> for you. To say <laughs> and I'm sure, I'm sure with with those uh, conversations, your mind is spinning in a million different directions of, of ideas and partnerships and, and people and everything like that. If you don't know, Didi is a constant wheel that is constantly spinning, <laughs> unnecessarily at times around ideas um, and tasks and assignments and things like that, and. But I know you'll get through it as you always do, Dee Brown. You remember you got through those building those easels for me that during that hot summer day. You know you'll get through it, my dear. You'll get through it, John. There- <laughs> <laughs> I wake up in a cold sweat over those easels. <laughs> Why did you? I bought the most difficult easels ever to be built. Like it was the crap. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> Yo, it wasn't even just that. It was that we had 
spent so much time looking for those easels and the ones we picked, you poo-pooed and then ended up buying anyway. And then you being the thoughtful, considerate, like, you know, like we're already over budget on this. We got to figure out how to, you know, do more with less, et cetera, et cetera. Decides not to get the handyman that came with building those easels and instead tasked me. (laughs) (laughs) DD, that was a long time ago. We both had to let that hurt go and we have to move on. Oh no, I will forever haunt you. <laughs> you me crazy with those easels. And- that might have been the only time. You yeah, actually was thinking about this. That might have been the only time me and you almost stopped being friends. Because you were like, you were like, if you don't leave me alone. Because it was like, it was the fact that these were complicated easels. It was hot as crazy outside. Never. It was, and you and we were. Remember, we were dressing our outfits for the evening, so it was like we were trying to like be very like dainty and like careful about getting dirty and too sweaty in I our outfits. Country for this. Landed, got in an Uber, went to this cute venue. Um, I can't think of the name of it right now. In in LA, and it proceeded to go sideways from there. And the, then, the moment you walked out the car, got out the car. Maybe I need you to work. I was like, what is happening? But you know what, John? We'll do anything for the culture, and I mean anything. And that event in honor of this really iconic, huge cultural moment um, for us, by us, uh, was just so memorable. It really was an important beat on that campaign. And, you know, like we said, we'll do anything for the culture. And speaking of the culture, our culture, and supporting it, our next guest, Steve Jones, who you know well, is that guy. I mean, Steve is a multi-hyphenate that started as a marketing executive then he turned producer and content creator. Steve Jones, we are back once again. Third time is the charm. I mean, here here we are. Hopefully this will be it. There won't be any interruptions, power outages, voice. Everyone's healthy. We're good. We got this, y'all. How you Let's doing, go. Steve? How are you? I'm doing you? really good. I'm happy to be here. As I expressed before, I love y'all. I respect what you guys do in the industry. So I'm so happy to be in this space. So thank you for the invitation. Thank you for, thank you for blessing us with your beautiful, amazing presence. That's right. I could see you time and time again. So I'm not mad at having to do it, uh, to, to, to regroup. Um, so we going to start with a different world trivia again. Okay. And y'all better not have been trying to research since the last time, which I think was what, Saturday? Um, just, just so we're all clear, too, I won the last round. And see. <laughs> it's the lies for me. But go ahead, Jay. It's your show. It's your show, bro. It's my, it's my show. Let me just have that for a moment. Let me just have that for yeah. a moment. This is. This is this is, you know, I know Different Worlds, you're, 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 you love that show and it's amazing. I do too. But like, this is it. Like, Dee Dee researched some really apparently really hard questions, some harder questions. So hopefully, Let's bring, your, bring your A game. And it's, it's whoever just says the answer out loud the fastest. Yeah, because we don't have a buzzer. So we don't have a buzzer. Gonna, and and yeah. the, rule, the rules weren't clearly defined last time either. It was just kind of free for all. 
So DD Trebek. Oh, so that's why you lost. <laughs> that's why you lost. Okay, John. Good. He, he's stalling now. He's stalling. Okay. Let's West go. Will reign supreme on the different world trivia. Will it be the mighty, mighty John Giss or Steve the Supreme Jones? <laughs> As a reminder, the only prize is bragging rights. Here we go. <laughs> and that is and that is enough. <laughs> okay. So which famous budding singer and actress on the verge of stardom, which is the same thing as budding singer, so that's redundant, <laughs> turned down the role to play Denise Huxtable on the Cosby show due to the five-year contract? Was it Mariah Carey? Whitney Houston or Janet Jackson? Whitney Houston. Wait, Houston. No, Whitney, Whitney Houston. It was it's Janet. It's Whitney Houston. Who said it first? I'll give it to Steve. Don, again, you're 0 for 10 now. <laughs> what popular actress turned down the role of Maggie in the first season of A Different World? Was it Meg Ryan, Julia Roberts, or Gina Davis? Ooh, that's a good question. Gina Davis. Wrong, John. Put it out. Meg, Meg Ryan? Yes. Yeah! <laughs> it was Top Gun Maverick. Oh. Damn, damn, damn. You're redeeming yourself. Okay. There are two things. What what one thing in in this list is not true? In a different world history, one of these Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Things is not true that was never explained. Denise's pregnancy on the show. Maggie's disappearance after the first season or Jaleesa and her baby with Colonel Taylor leaving the show in the final season. Jaleesa. B. B. No, B. Maggie. C. Jaleesa. Actually, you're both right, so I'll give it to you. Oh, snap. These are good. These are good. These are really good. I got my whole life researching this. I could have, listen, we could just do a show <laughs> about the different world trivia. Let's go. Okay. So the mascot 
of the Hillman athletic team was the Eagles, the Falcons, or the Huskies? Falcons. Falcons. Steve, you are right. John, you are day late in a dollar show. (laughs) (laughs) What's the score? You got one. I got two. two. (laughs) Okay, that's true. Dwayne's middle name on the show was? Who? Dwayne. Cleophis. You are correct, Steve. Yes! Okay. (laughs) I didn't know that. I didn't know that. One of Dwayne's girlfriend's name was Kwaku Kimku. Kwaku. Kwaku. Kino. Kino. Kino, shoot. Kwaku. Kino, wait. No, wait. Loud and wrong. Don didn't, even wrong. Ask, Don didn't even wait for the answers. He's just trying to get a point. Not only that, John, remember how Whitney used to call her every name? <laughs> yeah, he did. He knew. He knew. He knew. He knew. <laughs> the shade. Okay. This is the final one. I lost, so it's fine. Just so you know, you're losing. Okay. Or, or you lost. So it won't make a difference. Um, okay. We kind of reenacted the final scene or the scene where Dwayne and Dwayne bust up Whitley's wedding to Byron. We know that Whitley's mom was like, what to Dwayne? Die, just die. Ah, just die. Okay. After they actually get hitched, what does Whitley's mom, Marion, do? Does she slap Dwayne? Does she slap Whitley? Does she run out of the church crying or does she faint? She faints. She, okay, John, you got it. <laughs> the queen, Queen Diane Carroll faints. She does. Faints. Oh my God. I love it. I What's love that job it. with two and a half? <laughs> I, I tried. I tried. That was hard. These were hard. Didi, you killed that research. Woo! Thank you. I love that show so much. And I it's time for me to watch it again because I've watched yeah. it in on, I think, Netflix at least twice okay. over the past few years. I love every second of it. Didi, um, and Steve, don't you answer this question, but Didi, for you, Miss Trivia Queen, did you want to ask all the questions? I have one for you. What real famous actor that Miss Whitley Gilbert have a huge crush on? No choices. Answer. Did Whitley have a crush on? <laughs> they were actor on the show? No, no, it's a real, no, he's a real actor. Not in the show. I'm stumped. Who is it, Steve? Denzel! Denzel! Denzel Washington. She had a picture That's of That's how Washington. she was screaming. Denzel! He was the you remember... Show, Remember the fire episode, John, where she was, they carried her out of the room and she grabbed mm-hmm. a picture of Denzel yeah, off the yeah. wall. Also, there's a clip that went viral. He yes. showed up. And he showed up on set, yeah. In real life. And it's hilarious. Yeah. Crazy, man. Oh my goodness. That was so much fun. Shout so out to my childhood. Right. Well, I, I was a grown person in college when they were in college, so there we go. <laughs> That puts a lot of things in perspective, D.D. <laughs> Very rude, John. Very rude. Um, well, speaking of your childhood, Steve, let's jump into it and let's talk about your 
lovely childhood. Obviously, a different world was a huge part of it. Um, yeah. But let's talk about who you were, young Steve Jones walking down the street, having his his vibe and his energy. Let's talk about who who were you as a kid. What were you into? And did you have a full grown beard like you do now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were quoting uh, Snoop Gin and Juice, rolling down the street. Oh, okay, no, cool. no. I, I'm at, I'm Atlanta. I, I don't. I'm not quoting Snoop. I'll do like Outkast, Luda. Goody mob. John, before I answer, since you're from Atlanta, the hot topic right now in music is Escape versus SWV. Are you going with the home team? Because if you are, this interview's Escape over. Oh. Escape. Diddy. I got to go with SWV. Thank you. I was introduced to SWV before Escape. And Week is classic. Legend. Like internationally, it, yeah, global. like yeah, global. So I'm Team SWV. Sorry, ninety million records sold versus nine million. Why are these? They were a the big. They were a huge deal in the nineties. Huge. And Dee-dee. all of them can sing. Anyway, all right. Let me get to your question. You can edit that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, as a child, I was growing up in the eighties, um, nineties. And representation was few and far between. I feel like we were at the beginning of a renaissance in Black television. But um, seeing myself reflected in ways that inspired me, again, few and far between. So as a kid, um, I was looking to be inspired. I was looking for myself when I turned on the television. And um, I grew up in a predominantly Caucasian uh, education system as well. So I think there was me and two other Black folks. So um, I was desperately looking for that representation. And um, couldn't find it all the time. But um, as a kid, I was always into the arts. Anything with television and production, I gravitated towards that. And we are, I was born, excuse me, prior to the internet. So I was going into the library with the card catalog, checking out Billboard to see which artist was on the charts because I was always into entertainment. Um, So that was me as a kid. Anything to do with singing, dancing, television, movies, film. There. Did you perform or you're a performer or how did your extracurricular activities were they also arts and creative related? I was a band nerd. Um that didn't work out. I had vocal ability, I put together a group, that didn't work out. But um I always tell my friends who have children, if you look at your children and who they authentically are, they will tell you who are they who they're supposed to be. And um, I remember when my boy group didn't work out, I made my sisters and my cousins form a girl group. And I made them learn the choreography from SWV and In Vogue and made them learn all the dance moves, get all the lyrics right. And then I would charge the guys in the neighborhood a quarter for the performance and I would call myself their manager. Now, who knew years later I would end up managing some of the biggest girl groups in faith-based and mainstream or working with their brands as well. So if you look at your child and what they naturally are into, they'll inform you of who they're supposed to be. I need back to pause up. for a second. I know. I was like, I got to back up to right. what, Didi? What the, was the name of the group? Right, of the boy group. I didn't know about this boy group. Boy group didn't have a name. We didn't get that far. Um, we was practicing <laughs> shy. And Jodeci, ooh, yeah. You know, getting our combat group. The boots, right? You know, but yeah, there was no name. We didn't get that far because everybody wanted to be the lead singer, so broke up. 
Damn. Sorry. Hoping <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna get a little bit more tea, like a TV One special or something. On the, okay, so what was the name of your your sister and cousin's girl group? Um, it was basic, like something like cousins. Um, then they tried to <laughs> then they tried to turn the name to like Diamond, and then um, they had an altercation as well. I don't think I was paying them their proper rate, so they broke up. But we did keep it together for 60 days during the summertime. And I'm telling you, it was the hottest performance on the block in Ohio. Oh, my goodness. So yeah, I was their manager. I was keeping it together. Hilarious. So this is a natural transition, you said, into you went to the Ohio State. Okay. That's my, okay. What did you major in? And was it something entertainment focused? And were you doing that through college? Because then how do you get to managing gospel groups, et cetera, et cetera? Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, But the bag did feel a little light. Yeah, great question. Um, I went to school for, I majored in communication, minor in business administration. Um, In high school, I got the opportunity to intern with uh, Matthew Knowles, who, of course, is infamous for managing the group Destiny's Child. And he took me under his wing and taught me everything that he knew. And so I went into college understanding what I wanted to do. And it was be the next Matthew Knowles. So I started my company while I was in college and it it blew up and took off. I learned sponsorship and grant writing from the onset of my career and started working with brands like Coca-Cola and uh, Southwest Airlines to fund my initiatives. And I was bringing concerts to campus at 19 and 20 years old. Wow. I I wasn't doing any of that in college. I was just trying to pass a class. (laughs) Playing spades every night, flunking out of not going to class the next day. So there's that. So when did you decide you were going to, what what prompted the move to LA? Or was there somewhere else in between that? Straight to LA. Uh, Right before I graduated, I brought a huge outdoor festival featuring um, a gospel group, Mary Mary. And at the time, they had not tapped into brand endorsement deals and partnerships. I'm sure that's you over there singing shackles, John. Um, and so it imagine. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do charades. Uh, so imagine Mary Mary showing up in their prime, at uh, the height of their career, and these 20, 22-year-olds saying, hey, we've, we've, we've confirmed Southwest Airlines, Coca-Cola, um, a television network to air this special. And they get there to open door concert with 10,000 people. And they're like, yo, who taught you guys how to do endorsement deals? And do you want a job? And probably 90 days after that event, they flew me to Los Angeles to sign a contract. And I never went back home. Um, when I touched down on that tarmac, I knew I was supposed to be in Los Angeles. So that's how I got here. So where, how are these sponsors knowing, how are you pitching these sponsors, you're looking at decks. Of course, as you said, Mr. Knowles was a sort of a guiding light to this, but there's some practicality in that. How did you find the people to pitch? What? You're like a little genius there, like a little <laughs> um, genius. Fisher School of Business at The Ohio State University. Go Bucks. 
taught me well. Um, as I was doing my marketing classes and my business administration classes, I was taking notes and then applying it to my real life business. So school for me was actually a case study, if you will. And um, so how did I find those grants? I found the Midwest reps for each company, understanding that every corporation has regional budgets. And I found those Midwest reps and I pitched the event and somehow they gave me money. One check was for $100,000 and for a 20 year, 21 year old, like, oh, I'm rich. So, yeah, that's how I did. How did you know how to... So you essentially graduate from college and you don't have... You're not going to an office job. You're doing your own thing. How do you know how to manage that? Are your parents entrepreneurs? Yeah, never clocked in at a corporate job. Um, I had summer jobs and things like that. Wait, ever in life? Never. I don't know any other way. So hope that's not messing up any questions that you guys have coming up. Um, yeah, <laughs> always been independent. And um, how did I learn? Yeah, my dad uh, used to manage groups as well um, when he was coming up. And so I missed that era of his life in his heyday. But he was able to share stories and I was able to glean off of his career advice. And again, Matthew Knowles being able to sit and watch Destiny's Child before they became Destiny's Child and to hear the blueprint straight from the horse's mouth, those things served as points of inspiration for me. And I was able to take that information and build my own company and my own platform. So yeah, never been in corporate and um, a whole lot of naivety and a whole bunch of faith. You gotta be young and dumb to step out on your dreams. <laughs> so yeah. I love that. And I think that's amazing. Cause again, I think as we've talked to a number of people who are entrepreneurs and have their own businesses, there's a lot that goes into that. And I think yeah. having having a good foundation of faith or some higher power um, is, mm -hmm. is really important in that. So Not Steve, helping. so I, thank you. So Steve, during, um, obviously, you know, being, a, uh, being an entrepreneur, there are beautiful sunny days and sometimes there's rainy days in that. And I want to kind of talk to you about what your journey has been like when some of those days um, have been, a little, business has been a little slower. And kind of what do you use as kind of tools to stay motivated, to keep doing what you're doing, to stay, you know, say, no, I'm not, I'm going to give this up and I'm going to just go get me a corporate job somewhere else. Cause I know you can easily do yeah. it because you know, everybody, what is the kind of, what is your, your, your kind of helps you to kind of stay in that, stay in that same lane and stay focused in that direction? Yeah. Yeah. Love these questions. You guys have such a great flow and I just want to commend you guys on oh, creating this platform for us. Because we don't have a lot of space, especially people behind the scenes. We don't have a lot of opportunities to talk like this. So I'm like, oh, these are great questions, John. Okay. Touch my heart a little bit. Okay. Edit that out. Hey, you know, um, yes, there are sunshiny days and, and there are days full of rain. Um, and how can we appreciate the sunshine if we have not experienced rain, right? So um, during the pandemic, I would like to focus on that when it comes to your question. I was... Um, queued up to have my million dollar year, not million dollars, like million dollars after all expenses. Um, I was getting ready to do several huge Hollywood confidentials and different brands had attached for the right amount uh, for sponsorship commitment. And um, I had three TV shows that um, were in development and I had money for those. And going into 2020, it was about to be my most successful year as an entrepreneur yet. And then the pandemic hit. And I lost everything. 
And we didn't even have clauses to protect against natural disasters at that time in our agreement. So I don't even want to talk to you about what that looked like for um, costs that were already allocated and how we had to work that out. So I went yeah. through, I had heard about people going through depression prior to that. And I'm like, oh man, my heart goes out to you. But man, I slipped um, that first year, um, probably six months in after I'm burning through all this money that I had saved to purchase a home. And I'm burning through this money to survive because television had closed down. Live events had closed down. This is my bread and butter. And I'm having to give back money to sponsors because the future of our industry and this space and producing, we didn't know what it was gonna look like. So I say all that to say, um, how do I stay sane, stay encouraged? immediately got into therapy, therapy. Um, and coming from a faith-based background, a lot of people say, oh, you don't need therapy. You just need prayer and Jesus. And I'm like, I need prayer and Jesus and a therapist. And um, I have great friends who are licensed therapists. I've helped so many high-level clientele that I work with get into um, therapy, 5150s, et cetera. But now it was my turn to lean into the help that I've been giving others. So that really was instrumental in helping me to regulate my emotions, keep my mind sane. Um, and then I added on a good friend of mine, Logan Browning, got me into doing uh, meditation. And um, then we started doing yoga with Etienne um, and Walk Good. And so my community, my tribe was really showing up for me and helping me to maintain my mental wellness. So during the pandemic, those things were key in helping me to stay above it all and stay sane. And then in general, when things are slow, I can look back at my track record. I shared with you guys off record, I built this wall of fame back here, not to gloat, but to remind myself when things get slow, look at all the achievements that you made. And I can wake up and look at this every morning before my Zoom calls and say, hey man, if you did it before, you can do it again. The final thing is journaling. I journal everything that I can. And again, I can go back and look at a record and a succession of victories and that keeps me inspired. First of all, thank you for sharing that because it's not easy to share it and also sort of reliving it, relive it in, yeah. in, in the process. Yeah. Did you tap into having a business coach? Is, is it all you? Just talk to us a little bit about that process too. So, um, yeah, I think that we all have to do some rediscovering and digging, truthfully told, um, truth be told rather, um, after the pandemic to figure out how do we continue to service our purpose? Because um, I believe we all have a purpose and it can be serviced in multiple ways. So just because I can't do live events or just because I can't produce television shows doesn't mean there isn't something I can do. So the first thing I had to do was open myself up to new possibilities, right? Uh, oh, I only do this, I only do this. Whatever the universe brings my way, I'm open to that as long as it gives me If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's. An opportunity to service my purpose. And so after that first year of going to therapy and figuring things out and basically relinquishing all of the plans that I had, um, boom an opportunity to produce a music video fell on my lap at the end of the year with Jennifer Lopez, of all people. And traditionally speaking, 
pre-pandemic, Steve would have said, oh, I'm going to produce music for you. In the pandemic, Steve was, what do you need? I'll be there. And uh, we made that video happen in probably 72 hours. Secured the funding, worked with the director and the entire team to get that thing done, filmed it out by Christmas. So to answer your question, yes, I'm all about ancillary streams of income and being able to figure out how to monetize the brand outside of what you're primarily leading with. So the Actors Workshop is just an extension of the main stage Hollywood Confidentials. When those are slow, I can always open up a workshop, which, yes, helps me financially, but also continue to service the purpose, not on a large stage, but in a small one. So, yeah, great question. Oh, you can edit that out. I just love these questions. They're super dope. Like, okay. But yeah. Um, Well, speaking of purpose-driven work and Hollywood Confidential, I remember back, I believe, 2015, Steve, when we did one with Michael Ely. The two of us did one with Michael Ely and Sinai Lathan. Um, And I remember, I was like, wow, this is amazing. And I'm always so, like, wowed by opportunities like younger generations are, are are given now just like seeing celebrities talk and being yeah. able to network with their peers and all these things you created such a beautiful space for that with hollywood confidential uh, and you've had angela bassett and regina king Issa Rae. i mean you've literally had almost i don't know who else you can not have because you've had everyone on there uh, and so i, I want to salute you and congratulate you on such an amazing few years of that but also i want to just talk about like what was your kind of inkling and said, I want to, I want to do this. I want to create this uh, opportunity for black and brown people who are aspiring to be in the industry. Cause it's such a, it's such a beautiful, important and impactful platform. Yeah. Thank you, man. I do remember working with you and meeting with you and you were fresh off the boat from Atlanta. And I remember at the end of the activation saying, I know you're going to do big things and don't forget me. I just remember (laughs) energy. Like I'm here to take over. And so to watch your matriculation and your journey through this industry has been inspiring as well. So I'm Thank always you. happy for you. When I know I probably, I know I probably was a little intense that day because I wanted everything to be perfect, but it was great. And I was like, Steve, what are the people going to get here? You're like, John, there's like 2,000 people outside in line. I'm like, <laughs> oh, well, what are you going to let them in? <laughs> so I, I just thought you were thorough. Yeah, yes. Thank you. Thank you. To answer your question, at the time, this is around 2008 to 10, somewhere around there. I'm fresh off the boat to Los Angeles. I'm established in marketing and I'm trying to learn the lay of the land. And I befriend a young budding actor by the name of Kendrick Sampson and a young budding director by the name of Matthew Cherry. And these two, um, these two in various ways I help whether it's financially or providing housing, you name it. And they were able to teach me about the plight of the Black creative. And I developed a burden in my heart for that. And um, shortly after that, um, you know, again, that faith, that naivety, being young, I said, well, where are the people in Hollywood who are giving back and who are helping? And I'm naming all these big names of people who should be helping. And I said, well, I'll do it. And looking back, it's now been 10 years. To call it Hollywood Confidential, I knew nobody in Hollywood and I knew no secrets. So what was I doing? But (laughs) I believe when you open yourself up to service, um, unlimited possibilities can happen. And so I was just used as a vessel and I really had a burden to help the aspiring Black creatives. And here we are, like you said, um, one-on-one sitting across from Kiki Palmer was our very first panel and Kimberly Elise 
and then we got to work with you on Sanaa Lathan and Michael Ely, and then we jumped to Issa and Virginia King and Snoop Dogg, and I'm sitting across from these people being a conduit between the aspiring and the established. Not because I like to talk or be upfront, but because I'm not trying to network with you. I'm literally catering questions that are designed to help the people and inspire them to live their best life. So that's pretty much the genesis and the reason behind why I started Hollywood Confidential. Never wow. saw it growing to this magnitude. You didn't. No, I didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> and, and there's some other things happening with Hollywood Confidential that I don't think you can share right now, or can you? You know what? A couple um, Oscar-winning production companies have reached out to us to talk about developing some content surrounding that. And that's all I can say for now. Stay tuned. Um, so thankful to be in a position to garner the attention of people who I look up to in this space and for them to want to partner with us as an honor and a blessing. Because again, I honestly started this. It does, it's not even a moneymaker. It's free of charge for everyone who wants to come. It's not like I'm getting money per pop. We bring on sponsors to offset production costs. But, you know, I did this honestly as a vehicle of service. So then for people to turn around and then want to work with me, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a major blessing. So, yeah, stay tuned. We can't say yet, but we out here. We out here and we love it. Give us a little bit of insight also into the Black Love series. I mean, it is the ripple effect of that show, the concept. How did it come about? Uh, Give us the tea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Again, John didn't even know he was a part of my journey and my story the director of the movie that we worked together on, or one of the producers, excuse me, at the time was Tommy Oliver, an unknown filmmaker at the time. Tommy came to the activation, saw thousands of African-Americans dressed up, no fighting, no getting drunk, no crazy behavior, and he contacted me. And he says, hey, I love what you're doing with this brand. I have an idea for a TV show. Will you come on and market it? Now I'm gonna pivot from your question. I had worked my way up to marketing several huge titles um, that were released theatrically, but I was experiencing resistance from people who did not look like us and who thought that maybe our plans were too intelligent to reach African-Americans, and I caught that. And I exited that chat and said, I will be back as a content creator. Now back to Tommy, when he asked me to come on board to market the project, I said, yeah, I market, but I'm also a producer, so if you want me, you're going to have to get both. And so we had a meeting with him and his wife, with he and his wife, and she had this concept for Black love. And it actually was born from a pundit saying that the relationship between Michelle Obama and Barack Obama didn't exist. It was inaccurate. You can't find it. And so we all agreed that scene was believing. And we created this platform together to show people positive images of Black love. And the rest is history. Uh, We were able to... um, they were able to secure the show at home. I was able to market and produce, bringing the talent relationships that I had. I was able to do the billboard campaign across the country due to the fact that I had the background with studios. And so we were dealing with a limited budget, but we rolled that thing out like it, like we had all the money in the world. So Seven City Campaign, you name it, we were there. And we also partnered with Hollywood Confidential to host conversations across the country. And we made that show the number one debut on own network in the history of the network. So I'm really proud of that um, show. And we just wrapped six seasons. I produced the first three, but I was able to come back to celebrate 
season six and the wrap of the show. So I'm proud. I know. Congratulations on that. Good. You should. John, it's thanks to you. It's thanks to you. So that means I won the trivia contest. No. <laughs> I'm like, I'm taking these two separate occurrences and bringing them together. Nah, bruh. Nah, nah bruh. You went too far. I just want a little, I want a little bit more bragging rights. Oh. Really? But I, I love, but I love what Black Love stands for. And I think when I remember when I first saw that, that the show was happening, I was like, oh my God, it's so genius. And again, you, you tying that to um, President Barack Obama and Michelle Obama is yeah. so important because again, you don't see that. And in fact, you don't see it so transparently because it wasn't just like, yeah. oh, we're so happy. It's like, no, we want to talk about this real, real stuff here um, <laughs> and so- really get down in the nitty gritty. So I, I always appreciate it and respect that. So salute to you for for produce, helping to produce that. It's amazing. I have to say salute to Tommy and Cody. Thank you, first of all, but salute to Tommy and, and Cody. And they are for- like black love with those three beautiful yeah. little boys. Oh, my God. Goodness, and all of that has happened since they started the show. I got there and there was only one baby. Now there's three mm-hmm. babies and they've gone on to produce some amazing content in the space. And yes. I gotta I gotta give them a prop for seeing me as more than a marketer and opening up the door for me to produce yes. content. So I love them for that. I'll always be or forever be indebted to them for that. So Can you talk a little them. bit more about that pivot? Because yeah. there may be two other people on this call who have interest in producing and maybe pivoting from to producing from marketing one day um what 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 was that like and and as a marketer does it make you a good who needs an alarm in the morning when mcdonald's has sausage egg and cheese mcgriddles and a breakfast cut off ba-da-ba-ba-ba producer those skills are transferable in what ways absolutely every one of us are producers in our daily life the housewife um, who's taking care of her husband and making breakfast for her children and her husband and getting everyone out the door to their respective spots you've produced your day i think sometimes we use terminology in this space that can intimidate and not be so welcoming and we're all producers in our own right A lot of times people in the industry will use terminology that's not welcoming and it's intimidating. And we all are producers in our own right. So every skill that I learn in event production and every skill that I learn in marketing shows up daily within television production, Uh, putting together a marketing deck, putting together a sales pitch, uh, talking about the demographics that you reach. Um, All of those things are key And then marketers, we have to work with narrative and we do storytelling. And that's all production is. It's literally transferable. We're all producers in this space. So to you, it might be the two of you. I don't know who those two people are. But to anyone who is watching, you know, if you have a dream, you know, I I recommend you dive into it. Do the research, of course, uh, but don't let anyone restrict you or limit you. There were a lot of producers that I've reached out to who established prior to Tommy and Cody who wanted me to stay in my box and straight up told me, why would you want to come over here in television? You're so good at marketing. Oh, it's really hard. It's really difficult. And I had, I learned, unfortunately, those people were actually intimidated and or threatened by me because they knew my relationships. They knew my ability. And so I, I couldn't listen to the naysayers. I couldn't listen to the opinions of others. I had to look within, believe what I was feeling and follow that bliss. So to anyone who wants to make a transition into any space in the industry, just go for it. Uh, What's the quote they say? 
reach for the moon, you'll end up in the stars, something like that. Just go, go for what you know and go for what you believe. Steve, I want to ask you a question too around, um, you've done so much already, uh, you know, with Hollywood Confidential, with your marketing stuff, with your producing, what else is on the docket for you to do? Like, what do you want to do more producing? Do you want to be in front of the camera a little bit more? Do you want to, I could see a podcast talk show in your future as well, because you're, you're just good at it. Um, Thank you, man. Taking Hollywood Confidential on the road. Like, I mean, I could riff off ideas here. What do you <laughs> want? What's next for you the next couple of years? John, are you trying to leave Sony and work together or not? Um, <laughs> well, as I mentioned earlier, this is my 10th year with Hollywood Confidential. We are so thrilled that we made it this far. So we're going to be doing a celebratory um, situation around September of this year. Um, so stay tuned for that. So Dean will be invited to that. Got it. Front row. Yeah. Front row. Great. And then we are looking, yes, we are definitely wanting to expand into the podcast space. We've been approached to do podcasts, do TV shows, things of that nature. So, you know, stay tuned. And then when it comes to traveling across the country, we are taking it to Atlanta this year and we are taking it to the Baltimore, DC, DMV area. Um, those are two people who reached out for us to bring the workshop and the conversation piece to their respective cities. So yeah, we definitely want to travel. We love the podcast space. And, uh, you know, we don't have enough conversations happening about Black creatives and paying homage to our creatives um, from a Black perspective. So, you know, we want to be just like the actor studio, but for people of color. So, you know, we've done our part here in Los Angeles. Yes. And uh, we want to continue to expand and to grow and to reach and to inspire more people to live their dreams. So stay tuned. We out here. Yes, you are. And we love it. We love you. We appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and share our, our mutual love of Black entertainment. You know, we're here for you. We can't yeah. wait to see what happens in the future with those endeavors. And just keep shining. Keep shining. Keep doing what you're doing. Because there's so much stuff you didn't talk about. And even some of the relationships. And it's just, you know, we might have to have a part two with this. But we want to thank you. We love you. We see you. Thank we you. are here for you. Appreciate you guys. This was great. Thank you, Steve. Don't be editing out that uh, me winning twice. Don't edit it out, John. We want, to, we, want to, we want to play a little game. We're going to play a little editing and, and change change the questions around a little bit. So I'm actually answering them and you're like silent. 